Madeline Mythos, and I'm here with the glorious Queen Kujo. We are going to be talking about Lord of Illusions and The Void. I'm I'm excited. I'm super excited. <laughs> I love both of these movies so much. I'm really... This show might be two hours. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, is it just cult movies in general, or is it just the two the two movies that we picked <laughs> the two movies we picked like lord of illusions um when i was a kid was my favorite like one of my favorite movies it was like the only clive barker movie my dad would let me see and i just loved the void it was a movie i followed as soon as they announced it and when i finally got my hands on it it blew me out of the water yeah i love it i like it a lot too i feel like there's kind of maybe somewhat of a strong resemblance of between both movies but we'll get into that more um i i think we rediscovered my husband and i watched this one night we got pulled into it when we should have been sleeping but it was like a train wreck you couldn't really take your eyes off of it basically yeah it's a it's a really interesting movie it it's such a love letter to like other lovecraft lovecraftian based films Oh, I do enjoy an evening with a little light entertainment. But when your video heads get dirty, you lose your picture. Not a pretty sight. Happily, this new Polaroid video cassette will help you. It actually cleans your heads as it plays, so dirty heads needn't haunt you. New Polaroid video cassettes. Get the picture? Nothing, nothing new? I went hunting just for this, and I'm like, nothing. This The stores are bare. I was thinking they would at least be getting some horror movies in, but, you know, Target's got this little itty-bitty row with, um, I think it's The Shining. Uh, the, the Nun. Con- like, just kind of four basic movies that everyone probably has in their collection already. Yeah, and it, they just redid the cover of it. That's why they want to resell it, right? Yeah, it's like got this holographic cover, and it's like, eh, you know. I mean, sometimes they come out with those new covers, and they're pretty cool. Like a last year, I think it was, they had all the um, kind of Mexican Day of the Dead themed mm. covers. Yeah, with Child's Play, and um, what is the other movie? Some other movies that they did, and they had all these kind of the good. The artwork was amazing on it, and I would totally bought bought some of that stuff, but I already have Blu-rays of it, so. so- I wanted to say Young Frankenstein, but now I'm not thinking it was Young Frankenstein. But I got two of them with those covers. Just, but this is just uh, slapped together holographic junk. Nothing. Yeah. I would say if you don't have it in your collection, do get it with the new cover. But I was debating. I'm debating on like buying the Nun, even though it's like not really the best movie in the world. But you know, it's just something to keep. You know. <laughs> but you came out. Empty-handed, nothing? Absolutely nothing. And I'm like, this question is going to come up, and it's going to be another day of meddling going, yeah, I didn't get anything. (laughs) It's okay. There has to be, like, a support group for that or something like that. (laughs) They'll, like, just give up and get it on eBay or Amazon support group pretty much at this rate. It's like, what movie are you looking for the most? Well... Well, it's like crazy. I have the worst luck. Like, if I'm looking for a movie where I'm like, crap, how do I not have this in my collection? Like, um, Fargo. Now, you would think every store should carry Fargo, right? Yeah. Nope. It, I found, like, some stray little copy in big lots of all places. No one had a copy of Fargo. That's weird. <laughs> right? In a, in a discount store? That's just kind of, I don't know. That's kind of weird. I I don't know. I it's weird. Every time when I get paid, I have to like black out at Target and end up spending almost 200 bucks basically. And it's either clothes or movies. And um the ones that I bought was I I had to get my husband to go look for it because they had I I think I had the same problem as you. It was the Banana Splits movie. And it is interesting. I I suggest that you do check that out i didn't realize it was out yet it's out and um 
I could only find the DVD. And so I picked up the DVD. And then so my husband said, you know, Walmart has the Blu-ray. So he went and took back the DVD. And then he got me the Blu-ray. So we watched that. And we also watched, um, also got Brightburn, which is like serial killer Superman. Pretty intense. Uh, Yeah. It's so weird how they do that. Like some movies, they just don't carry on blu-ray even though it's readily available and it's always movies where it's like like seeing the banana splits trailer i'm like i would get that on blu-ray mm-hmm. and the other one that i was kind of amazed with um neon demon you could not find it on blu-ray at target but they carried the dvd but everything else it's blu-ray dvd but a movie that you should get on blu-ray that's not what you have Ugh, target a love-hate relationship with Target. <laughs> same, same, because, like, what, was it? what else did I want to get? <laughs> You're going to hate me. I got the new Critters because I wanted to enjoy the, the terrible dumpster fire that it is. I'm curious about that one. That that seems like a drinking movie. Probably. I'd get drunk and probably can't remember half of the movie, movie you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I got that one. Got Brightburn. Got Blenna Split movie. There was another one that I forgot about. It's another Blu-ray that I got, um, but it's, I don't even think it's that good. I did get some VHS in the mail from uh, perusing IG, um, Instagram, and I got Halloween 5 because I don't have that Halloween. And then you're going to be so, so happy for me because I found the Vincent Price version of The Pit and the Pendulum. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. With Barb. Oh, yes. Yeah. The movie. Yeah, and John Kern, Vincent Price, and yeah, I have that one. And then there's another. There's a Vincent Price, The Raven. That was... one's bizarre. Like if you're expecting something actually based on the poem, mm-hmm. it's not. It's not based on the poem at all. Like, uh, Peter Lore. Oh man, it's been so long. Peter, Peter Lore. Turned... Yeah, gets turned into a raven okay. by a wizard. <laughs> And then Boris Karloff's in this movie. I didn't even know. And then oh, yeah. supposedly young, young Jack Nicholson is in this movie. Yes, baby Jack Nicholson. Baby Jack Nicholson. <laughs> so I didn't even know that until like reading the cover. And I'm like, okay, this is weird. But interesting. Yeah, that was the VHS fine. And that I think I have more in the mail. Because I can't say no to VHS, of course. Mm-hmm. And that's a good find out in the wild. Some good hunting right there. <laughs> it's just basically trying to comment fast enough or like slide into those DMs so that I can like say, hey, do you still have this? <laughs> do you have this on hold? I want this now. Yeah, there's a few groups that I, I follow and um, they mostly do big like boxes of VHS. They don't really do single stuff so it's kind of like there's one movie in there and a bunch of stuff i really don't care about or already have so it's like 50 other junk ass movies that you don't want and then the the holy grail like one right right and it's like 50 60 bucks for the box it's like oh like fuck that something is watching something is listening something is coming how would you like to see the world the way it really is what's going on here detective harry damour is walking a path i want you to help me will you take the job mr damour where do i sign up between what can be seen. People are dying here. I want to know why. I've heard a name. Somebody they talk about in whispers. Who? Nick's. And what must be feared. Nick's is dead and buried. What the hell is wrong with you people? Haven't you seen enough to know that doesn't matter? No. I don't want him getting in the way. We've always waited too long to have the homecoming spoiled. Every step he takes. The drone. The dark side. Don't like that. Not much. It's your destiny. Accept it. Brings him closer to the truth. He could get into people's heads, make them see things. 
terrible things. See, that's his best trick. No illusions, just the truth. Nixon is back from the dead. Then he is some kind of a god. In a world where magic is real, death is the ultimate illusion. I was born to murder the world. Are you ready for my wisdom? It's not real. Come with me, Damor. I've got so much power to give you. All you have to do is beg. Clive Barker's Lord of Illusions. With uh, Lord of Illusions by Mr. Barker. The release date for this movie was August 25th of 1995. Yes, starring Scott Huncula. Oh, yeah, Huncula. That's his new nickname. In this one, that's his name, which I was like, (laughs) I I grew up on Quantum Leap. I never found him attractive. And I saw this movie and I was like, oh, oh, daddy. Because he's oh. shirtless. He's shirtless. That's when he, after he has sex with Franca Jensen, he's all walking around the big ass mansion shirtless and sweaty. It's like, oh. oh. Yes. Definitely. Now he looks like somebody's father. So it's kind of weird, but still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, oh, who else is in this? Oh, the guy who played Nick's. Mm-hmm. Daniel Von Bart- Bargen. He was in Super Troopers. He was in a bunch of other movies like oh god, he would he, actually he was famous for Seinfeld, go figure. Sansa Lambs. He had a small he, role in Sansa Lambs and in RoboCop 3. And it's hard to remember exactly what the parts were. I I could probably watch it again and go, "Well, that's that's him." Oh, and he was in Basic Instinct as well. Didn't really realize that. Philadelphia. Cuz the last time I watched this, I'm like, okay, that guy's been in a lot of stuff. I know he's been in a lot of stuff that I've seen. And then looking him up, it's like, no, not really. I don't know. The faculty? Maybe um, was, I think that was him. And then, oh, brother, where art thou? The Majestic. Nobody saw that. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, it, I just remember him from Super Troopers. And then when I watched this movie, I was like, oh, shit, it's Grady from fucking Super Troopers. as like the messed up cult leader yeah he was he was actually really intimidating in this and i think because he he looks like some guy you would see walking down the street like in his pajamas he's he's not impressively dressed or anything he's kind of disheveled and dirty but he is terrifying scary murderous looking eyes he and his his pet baboon oh god i'm like once again what the hell is with, like, these psychotic baboons? How the hell do they keep a baboon, but, like, all their livestock in this movie has died? I was wondering the same thing, and I have I have this idea in my head that the baboon was an illusion, because later in the movie, she talks about how Nyx made her see things. Mm. So I thought the baboon may have been from that, because I'm like, everything going on here in this baboon is, like, the perfect picture of health. Mm-hmm. Kept kept on a chain in the Mojave Desert on this weird apocalyptic looking compound. Like all these former, you know, cult you know, cult members are going back to save t- you know, tween Franca Jensen. Mm-hmm. Got- she was I think she was a tween. Like, I don't know. For some reason I was looking at her and thinking like nine. Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it was set what like 1982 was like the original like the time yeah 1982 was when they went to go and save the girl uh kevin j o'connor and then the other cult leaders cult members ex-members were gonna go save her and that was like the you know just all of them were like i don't know if we want to do this you know and 
they encounter like a mass amount of the cult members and that's just creepy the way that they were kind of coming at him but he wasn't gonna shoot them or anything like that just yet um what was his name I'm trying to remember he ended swan? up being a four yes well no not swan but uh the fortune teller he had a sawed off shotgun or something like that and he's just like oh you right. came back and he's like well not for now somebody's a like it seems like a most of the team that went in with him they got casper yeah casper quid mm-hmm. kind of just got thrown off to the side they became such throwaway characters i which i think there's probably more to them but it's probably suffered from what Nightbreed suffered from at first, where it was just cut to hell to the point where Barker's original story was completely lost. I agree with that. I just it following how everything went and then the altercation where he's like held up in this kind of almost crucifixion, weird nest thing that kind of turns around and of course, you know, young Dorothea screams and freaks out, of course. And that's like kind of, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Just, you know, just being terrified. He, of course, drops the gun. Mm-hmm. And then, Naturally. Gets, yeah, gets gets fucked up by, you know. By Nyx. And, mm-hmm. and they go right into the cult stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, right into it. Like, okay, this is definitely a big aspect of this kind of... Um, world that Barker's created with that oh man that binding mask thing they did on Nyx that was just that hurt that hurt to watch that was a weird little mask and he has to use his blood to like tighten the screws on that thing that was fucking weird I'm like all right just you know I'm just gonna take a big chunk out of my cuticle and bleed all over this and hope the screws tighten fast enough to keep you from talking or possessing anybody. Mm-hmm. They, just, <laughs> they just throw them in a hole. <laughs> throw them in a, not even a deep hole. Not even like that. They go, they go out to the desert and like, it's not even, it's like maybe like the size of a, like a pool hole. It's like a pool hole. Yeah, basically something that you would dig for like a jacuzzi or yeah, he's stuck in that hole and nothing, you know, I would like, you know, you can't dismember him. You can't do anything. You just basically throw him in a hole and bury him and then just go off and, you know, marry. (laughs) Marry the, the little child that you just saved. I don't know. Yeah, because like she said that she had, I don't know, she grows up and I guess she marries him out of, out of like in ode to her life, I guess. So he's got a very attractive wife. He's living the dream. He's making the money out in L.A. being David Copperfield and shit like that. Yeah, he got these gifts from Nick's and he's like, I don't really want to destroy the world or anything like you do, so I'm going to make some money off of this. Woo! <laughs> you can't blame him. I mean, it's kind of a smart move. One weird thing I noticed, and I don't know if, if they don't seem to, they didn't age. Like they, None of the members of the cult or Swan really seem to age. Like, yeah, he same haircut, right? He had sit long, long hair, still had long hair, you know. He kept that same haircut, and when they went back to the building, everyone coming out, just waking up and coming up, and I'm like, what happened? You guys, like, there's not as like, there's not one more gray hair on any of their heads, nothing. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was something that was cut out. I don't know, but it just seemed kind of strange. I. I don't know. The only people that were supposedly the ones that were aging were, of course, Dorothea, you know, and then uh, Butterfield, the assistant. From, yeah, who had a different actor playing from younger to older. Of course, yeah. And he was the, since this was made in 95, it's like all the nice little crazy Gen X style was kind of taking over the crushed orange and tight pants and everything. <laughs> He looked like this, like, David Bowie meets the cure type of look going on. Yeah. Bleached eyebrows and everything. Mm-hmm. 
he was a fun character i just love the way he moved his like he i don't know if this guy did dance or something earlier on in life but he his movement was so graceful he was like a damn snake <laughs> slithering across the screen messing with everyone because he because he beats the crap up like he beats the the assistant to to swan up and then the way that he kind of bears him down or kind of like keeps him still is he... his ball on his throat <laughs> or yeah pretty much he just like flying thighs and just sits on him with his crotch right in his face like listen here Ugh. <laughs> Nobody wants that coming at them, but I don't know. It was interesting. Oh, my God. And then the whole, I don't know, the whole backstory for, like, Scott Bakula's character coming from New York. Because I know there's, like, small bits and pieces. I think, like, this this character is in the comic book. Am I wrong? Or... He's, I think he's um he's the only reoccurring I can, character I can think of in Clive Barker's work. Because he was in... Um, of course, this is based off the last illusion from the Books of Blood, uh, Volume Six. He was in the Great and Secret Show, um, a short called Lost Souls. He had a huge role in Everville, and he was in the Scarlet Gospels with Pinhead. Mm-hmm. And like... he was in, um, I think it was the Hellraiser-based comics. Yes, yeah, that's what I remember him from. And then, like, all of a sudden, there's like trace that he's in the film of Lord of Illusions, but nothing else. So it's kind of your Hellraiser universe coming connecting together. Like the backstory I got from uh, watching the movie was he is from New York. He had to and he's into the occult. He has witnessed like a child's exorcism or something that is kind of screwed with him a bit. And yeah, like looks like the meth fairy or something. That demon with the little fairy wings. Then he gets a job to go investigate this gross, this gross dude in California who's living his best life with two prostitutes. And then I guess gets called to go and pick something up or do something at this fortune teller, fortune teller's, um, you know, place. Runs out like his ass is on fire. Scott Bakula goes in because I guess that's his initiative as a cop is to investigate and find out what's going on. And that's when you find Butterfield and a henchman, fortune teller, which is Casper, who has the most cheese. Like, I didn't like the piercings. (laughs) The piercings on his eyebrow, I mean, I could understand the ears, but he had, like, this fake, it looked like a clip-on piercing on his face, and that's what kind of, like, ruined it for me. I did like how he was sitting there talking with at least ten knives in his chest. Oh, man. (laughs) That video was pretty cool. I was like, that's pretty hardcore. Thank you, Clive. I like that. No, but yeah, the piercings were so bad. Toss that to the side. I know it's the 90s. Come on. Everybody has that butt. That and then so he he they get in investigated. He calls the cops. He get well. He gets fucked up and then cops show up and so he goes and investigates all this. Or no, wait a minute. She Dorothea finds him and like you know him discovering the friend of a uh, of of a uh, Swan mm-hmm. and he she calls him up and talks to him and they explain more about the relationship and like what has happened and stuff like that. And she's like, and she invites him to her husband's show for that night, the illusion and stuff like that. Yeah. That has the dancers are straight out of Barker's photography, which I thought was really cool. I never noticed that before. A lot. I feel like when I look at it, I always think of like showgirls because it's like the men and the women are wearing like everything, like the, the <laughs> same the same costume basically. Boobs out, everything. I mean, that was a cool death with it, the sword. It would that would scare the sh- yeah. That would be like mm, I couldn't. I don't know. It it's scary to think that like you're you're doing this death defying stunt where you're 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 trying to get out of this weird spinning wheel of illusion and you're all these knives are coming at you <laughs> and he doesn't make it out. No, that's that's like deep dark fears that you're watching a magic show that has something like that and something goes wrong and the person actually dies and you won't be able to tell because it might be part of the trick mm-hmm. that's creepy scary yeah 
But I found that interesting after he dies, like everybody's like mourning and then after the henchmen like corner you know, after Scott Bakula investigates what's going on with everything underneath this weird like understage area, he encounters the the henchman that he fucked up earlier, trying to kill him, takes his gun away, only to like impale him on that weird sand demon thing that poured the sand into the hourglass with the skeleton. Mm-hmm. That was pretty gnarly. I like. And he was really he was covered in like SS patches. I noticed. Huh. Yeah, I didn't notice that. I know that his like face was all fucked up and everything because of the altercation, but like yeah, I never noticed any of those patches. I don't know why my eyes went to those like, well 90s punk. It's like there were those punks that did that. Maybe it's the time period we're living in where I'm like, oh, oh I see an iron cross and oh, oh, SS stuff on the collar. Ooh, okay. Okay, Clive. Interesting choice. (laughs) Bad guys, they're allowed. What else? I, I'm trying to remember up until the point that he like, okay, so they go back, they they bang, of course, and he, I remember this scene from the movie so much is when he was seeing the illusions of like all the fiery pits and shit like that. Oh, and the fire snake. That yes. So cool. I love the fire snake. That scared the shit out of me when I watched this this movie when I was younger. I was like, that is scary shit. I remember everything, you know, about this movie. Nothing about anything prior to that. That scene was pretty cool. The graphics were pretty cool. Um, And then him smashing the face of the deceased husband. Oh, yeah, I'm pulling it apart, and it's a wax. It's a dummy. (laughs) It's a fucking dummy. He figures out he faked his own damn death. Okay. And I guess, like, he was, per- like, watching his own funeral, so he follows him and shit like that to some secluded place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was Where crazy. He has a, a car looming over his head. He's oh, he's smashed. He's got yes. back <laughs> I forgot all about that. <sighs> I don't know. The snake was from Swan, right? Because at that one weird point where he, like, vomits a fiery snake to the one cult member. Mm-hmm. It, that was Swan, right? You sent the snake? I think it was. Like I said, I think he was trying to scare him before mm-hmm. discovering that it was a dummy in the coffin. That's how I really felt like he was trying to do, was trying to give him, like, the heebie-jeebies, you know, after, like, of course, you bang my wife. That's not a big deal. You know, but yeah, don't investigate my fake death. Ooh. He was pissed about it banging his wife. He was pissed. Like, he mentioned it and he was all angry. And I'm like, dude, your wife told him at least three times, I this isn't a marriage where I love you. Which is basically saying, hey, blowjob over here if you want one. Oh, my God. It's, it, it's weird. It didn't, like, you know, you could tell. It was kind of like a trophy wife kind of thing situation with them both. I don't know. I, I like creepy guys. I like Kevin. Kevin J. Connors is, I don't know. I kind of find him attractive. I don't know why. That's weird. <laughs> well, now I don't feel so bad because so do I. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> guy from There Will Be Blood is a, is a cutie. <laughs> <laughs> he was also in that Brendan Fraser mummy movie as as kind of like the the little the assistant to the mummy, where he saves himself by showing the star of David. Oh yeah, and he was actually uh, Igor in Van Helsing too, so he played a that same character basically. You saw him in Deep Rising, right? <laughs> no, he's in that. Oh. I haven't seen Deep Rising in forever. Yeah, he's in that. And it it's like he almost looks like the same character from The Mummy. <laughs> Just put a hat on him and there you go. But I don't know. It the so so the marriage, you know, even when he like professes like his his feelings to Nick's up uh, Nick's did I say it right? I'm trying yeah, to remember. Nick's. Yeah. 
when it when she, when he does like profess his feelings and he's like oh she's just nothing but flesh and he dies you know just trying to like protect her it's like well i'm just gonna go run away with scott bacula you know we'll quantum leap our ourselves out of here it was, it was definitely not a mutual relationship in any way, which kind of made the movie hard to watch. Because I'm like, maybe Cake Benson is supposed to be a bitch in this, but I kind of hate her. And I'm not supposed to hate her, but I kind of do. I'm trying to remember if this is what she did. Like, she did this before GoldenEye because she was the the one that, I think in GoldenEye, she's the one that kills guys with her thighs and shit like that. Oh yeah, that was yeah. oh man. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure, but now I'm remembering that no. That one was so ridiculous. And then I guess she dies like in that movie she dies via like being tied up and I guess he shoots at the helicopter and she gets strangled by the palm tree and shit like that. I don't know if that would work, but I don't know, it killed her and she died. <laughs> She she got what was coming for her for totally like screwing over Kevin J O'Connor, you know. Yeah, definitely. So I don't feel so bad now. I'll just watch that. But are oh, there? And I and Lower Illusions both came out in '95. Yeah. Oh, it did. Yep. That that's okay. So she was a very busy girl. All right, Romka, only to make terrible X Men movies. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, '98. She made a ton of movies. Nine. <laughs> Nine movies in 1998. Jeez, Louise. So, yeah, definitely very, very, very... Be- oh. oh, yeah, one was Deep Rising. Who she and... also starred with, again, with Kevin J. O'Connor. Which, Kevin J. O'Connor and... I can't think of his name now, but the uh, guy who played Butterfield were both in There Will Be Blood together. Oh, they were? Yep. Holy crap, that is weird. Oh, and and then she she was also in the faculty with um with Nex as well. Faculty has a lot of people in it. I forgot all about that. Running into each other after Lord of Illusions. See, that's crazy. Were there any tidbits in this? Do you have any notes about this movie in particular? Um, let's see. I put down that if this is ever remade. Vincent D'Onofrio is required to play Nick's. I think that's good. I think he'd be be a good like cult leader. Yeah. Take he's some of that. that. He's 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 got that kind of thing going. I don't know what it is, but you know. If you can that. take a little bit of him from the cell and him from like maybe like Men in Black and kind of fuse it together, that would be kind of the perfect cult leader. Yeah. What else? I I don't know the whole the raining sequence in this movie where the the way that the water hits that, ugh, that oh, damn that drove me crazy and just takes them in which all these cult members all of a sudden are shocked that they're di- they're going to die it's like he's he's told you so many times you're going to die and you're now you're surprised you, you can't cry about it now or he you know it was not worthy it goes like you're not worthy. the The end result is still them dying, and they're all like eh, and whining about it. It's kind of trippy how they died because they're all hanging out and like being submerged, and then it dries. It, it's not wet or gross anymore. It's it's like apparently like quicksand where they're just basically stuck in like the floor and like trying to touch the stairs and stuff like that. And it's just weird. Grabbing at a oh. Was it Swan? Yeah, I think yeah. it. Yeah, I think it was because he's, you know, he shows up there and I guess he sees that all his followers are dead. All these people that he was in this cult with, you know, that is just weird. I remember this movie opening it's, and it, it didn't really get much. It didn't. I don't. Did it make a lot? Okay, no wait. It had a budget of eleven million, and then the box office that it got. I guess it it made thirteen point three million. So, so it made somewhat of a of a profit. Of a profit. It it's just a, it seems to always get pushed to the side when people like are talking about Clyde Barker movies or um, even films in general. It's kind mm-hmm. of a it has it's a flawed gem. I think is the best way to put it. It's to me it's kind of like 
Clyde Barker seems to have a thing for the like detective noir mm-hmm. that's in his movies quite a bit. And he had a movie called Underworld, which was so bad. But it was very similar to this like detective noir, um, like investigating these unknown creatures and the occult and things like this. So this is kind of like, okay, I, I know what I'm doing a bit now, so I'm gonna try this again and that's where we got Lord of Illusions. But that's all I can think of for for Lord of Illusions. I did enjoy it. I don't hate it. I feel like maybe it's a little bit underrated when you do talk about Clyde Barker, you know? Because <laughs> everybody says Hellraiser, or everybody says, you know, this or that. And it's like, well, you know, I don't, you know, it could have been maybe done a little bit, little bit better. But other than that, I'm like, fuck it, I'll watch it. Screw it. I think it needs the kind of... um Nightbreed treatment where mm-hmm. they just came out. They came out with the ball cut, which is a completely different movie, and it's very long. Because I mean, I think all of Clyde Barker's movies they've had to be cut down so much because they're all like three, three and a half hours. So I, I, I would, I know there's some missing footage. I would love to see kind of this complete, the completed film because you can tell a lot was cut out of it. I feel yeah, but uh, what is it? It's, it, it is released on Shout Factory, right? I think it is. So there has to be limited, some of those tidbits on those deleted scenes on the Blu-ray, probably. Yeah, probably. I have I have it on VHS, so <laughs> get my deleted scenes. Damn it! <laughs> I should I should get a, a you know more technologically advanced copy to so. I get more out of it. I'm thinking about doing it too. I don't even think I have. I think every Clyde Barker um, movie I own is on VHS. That's right. All right. Yeah, I don't have anything that's on Blu-ray or DVD. Well, make that my to-do list, basically. Yeah, let's get into the void. I can see it all before me. Get far. I need hands up front for your stretcher. Oh, Where'd you find this guy? I need a copy of Code 3 and I need assist. Lovecraftian flick from 2016 from half of Voltron 6 and of course I don't have the directors up the name of the directors um, Stephen Kostiski and Jeremy Galipsy is that yes if I don't butcher that I would butcher it too I watched a bunch of previews and stuff going how do I say their name still can't say it I tried. <laughs> it was released in it was released in 2016 on September 22nd. Um, they had Canadian releases on April 7th, and of course, UK and United States got got it in March of 21st of 2017. 90 minutes long, and they crowdfunded the special effects. 
because I remember this had a crowdfunding campaign, but it was just to cover the special effects, which in this movie are pretty damn good. Yes, I was very, very pleased with that. I liked how I liked all of the special effects that were used in the scene on like, you know, certain scene and like that was money well spent. You know that pretty good. Oh, yeah. Just the creatures alone, the um, the daughter creature and the surname Barbara. No, mm. the nurse, the nurse, Beverly, Wait. the Beverly creature. Yeah, the Beverly creature was pretty good. Yeah, they, they had a transformation scene in practical effects that it was that Stephen since no, I'm going to say his name awful. Stephen, the, the special effects. I love that. Trying to pull up that IMDb to check it out. That's special. Yeah, Stefano Benettini. Benettini. That's a special effects over here. There's two people. I don't know. I don't think that's right. Okay. No, I had a Stefano and I had a K. Hmm. I'm trying to like understand the opening scene a little bit though, because you have a farmhouse and then you have some guy hauling ass out of that farmhouse. And then this chick is, what was it? Those were cultists from the farmhouse because the um, guy they had handcuffed in the hospital that the officer finds, brings in, he talks about how someone um, approached him, said that they knew where he could get some good, I think it was Crystal, Mm -hmm. and brought him to... They said, and he's like, it wasn't a pill house at all. It was a farmhouse, and it was full of these cult members doing this crazy stuff. So, so he those was were cult- okay. So he was okay. The guy that hauled us out of the 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 house was not part of the cult, right? Who they later found, yeah, on the side of the road. Yeah, yeah. He, he was not a member of the cult. He was lured in there with the promise of drugs. Yeah. So. He sees how everything is going. He notices these two guys. This, you know, he hauls ass out of the the fucking house. This woman comes wailing out, screaming, and then of course they shoot her and set her ass on fire. But like I said, he's like, well, he won't go far. He gets picked up by Officer Carter, and he and the way that he's like, yeah, the way that he was like laying on the the ground, like. His, he was face down and kind of almost ass up in a way. Yeah, I couldn't. Un- well, what, this movie definitely kind of holds its cards tight to its chest. Like it, do- it really does not spell anything out for you. I was trying to figure out like what exactly did they do to him? Because all I remember him mentioning is like they watched as he had sex with someone. I'm like, well, you you ran out of that house. You were pretty messed up. I think that was more going on than that. Mm-hmm. Weren't there, like, Polaroids taken of him, too? Like, he's passed out or something. Oh, yeah. This is... We're, like, dragging on now, but this is actually one of my favorite Lovecraft films. It it just captures that atmosphere perfectly of... Kind of like the fact there is... There's a main villain, but he's really just a lackey. Mm -hmm. For the cosmic forces that are, you know causing all this hell and gonna completely take over that you never see but they're always there i don't know you get more of an understanding with the people that are there you get more of a history with the storyline that the hospital supposedly burnt down and they're kind of using this this center like kind of like a a texas med clinic if you say as a as a temporary hospital kind of for you know the people that are showing up sick in I guess the county that's mm-hmm. there's really only I think there's only two patients there there's the uh pregnant girl and the guy in the hospital bed Cliff uh-huh. who's actually played by the actor who played Manborg in another mm-hmm. Astron 6 film one of my favorites he gets killed in like the most brutal ass way though that you don't see coming which i loved because it looks like she's just standing there 
like looking over at him and then when he says her like says her name a second time you kind of see that something's off but there was like no change in music or how the camera angle was or lighting you just don't really see it coming until you see that knife coming out of his eyeball that was pretty brutal and it's like all slow and shit and that's like oh man grody and it gets even worse when she turns around and she's like this isn't my face so i'm gonna cut it off because she flayed it all off she took her face off and decided to kill his ass and officer carter happens to stumble on this and i guess what she just totally like lunges for him and shit yeah she lunges at him he gets away and and then yep he vomits I remember them showing, showing. I was like, that's that's an appropriate response for everything you just went through. It's always the cop that vomits. <laughs> it it happens in real life. If you read about um the Ed Guyan case, uh-huh. I guess there were two officers that walked outside and vomited. So it's like, oh, that does happen. Yeah, they're rookies, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Digging out a nipple belt in the 1950s might mess you up a little bit. Taxidermy chair of people. Yes. I have three pages on this damn film and I'm running out of shit to say. No, no, no. Take your time. He ends up, he goes out to report the death of Beverly, the the trooper that shows up. And I guess like a bunch of like cult people just show up and that that scared the shit out of me seeing all these white sheets and the fucking these creepy ass like so simple the design but it was so effective just the single black triangle and white ropes and then they have the sacrificial crazy fucking um crocodile dundee knives Oh, yeah. And they just pull them all out in unison. and Just to the side. That was fucking crazy. And that scared the shit out of me, too. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, and they, uh, use, they use those lights on the cop car so well. Just those blue and red lights flashing against all these cult members in the wood and more are just appearing. Yes. He gets injured. He runs back into the hospital. And that's when you encounter fucking Simon and Vincent, like, causing a bunch of shit with you know grabs the pregnant chick and fucking says i want to you know i want to know what's where's what's his fucking face that ran out like like his ass was on fire because we need to go take care of this shit apparently and this time our mitchell is there the other the um is he a deputy mm-hmm. and that's when we hear about the cult that this guy was an he was just trying to get some pills and he tells them what's going on and who was in that farmhouse. And by the time he gets it out, they've surrounded the place. And this point, have they killed the Beverly monster? I no, because afterwards. Okay. So the, the main doctor gets stabbed or his throat gets slashed. And then the trooper gets, I guess, gets taken by the Beverly monster. Like, cause that's when like they, like they, he gets, yanked away so the officer carter goes after him with i guess like somebody else i'm trying to remember um and they go down this hallway and the beverly monster has um has mitchell and then she starts transforming into this tentacle creature thing and they're trying to rescue like they're trying to rescue, you know, it's weird. It's kind of, it, it got kind of a little confusing at first when it was like Beverly Monster was like everywhere. And then she finds that James dude, the, the drug addict, and she's trying to eat his ass too. And then she drags her away, Mitchell, and they kill her by shooting that thing coming out of her back. Mm-hmm. Which it reminded me of Silent Hill. It, well, there's like, it seemed like a few references to the game. Like when I saw the thing come out of her back, I was like, oh, it's like the nurses from Silent Hill where he, that's what you had to shoot for them to die. In the static, when he turns on the radio or the radio turns on and there's static and then you see that all the cult members are outside. Yeah, that would scare the shit out of me. Just minding my own business. But there was a cult member like hiding behind him, right? Yes. That was trying to, like, like of course, stab him. And he, you know, initially just shoves this guy over and hauls ass back into the, the facility. And he got, 
No, we can't get shot then. I don't know why I can't remember the order of this film. Yeah, because <laughs> they, because the then they had to round round like they had Vincent and Simon because they chilled their shit because the whole thing with the pregnant chick going into like shock, mm-hmm. and then like once they calmed down or it seemed like Vincent was either one of them like they were kind of trying to like and they were trying to figure out what the hell they needed to do and he was telling them it's like I have a shotgun still in my in my car I need to go get it <laughs> so we need to round everybody up because there's more of those fuckers outside and so I we yeah but like i said just following that and then i guess when they you know when he finally gets the fucking you know they're still they're still out there they're still standing out there and then once he gets the shotgun free there's of course another person fucking trying to fucking stab him and shit like that like sneaking up behind him in a damn white gown but that scene was really cool because they shot the fuck out of him and he went flying and that was pretty rad do you think the cult is for human i think they remind me of like a bit just of in between like maybe human subhuman maybe tentacle tentacle creature and subhuman <laughs> i don't know yeah, when the one cult member came up behind him he seemed awfully tall kind of inhumanly tall and then at the end when they just collapse into a melty mess well, not really a melty mess, but I mean, when the head was crushed, it was. I've seen the movie a few times, and I always think that, like, were they human? Were they mutating? Underneath that sheet, you couldn't really tell what they were. Yeah. Oh man. Well, then he. So they all, after that whole excursion, they come back only to find out that Allison had to go find something for the pregnant chick. You know, Maggie. And she goes missing, and and apparently Allison and Carter were married, or they're estranged, or some shit like that. Yeah, they're married. They lost a kid to when they were together, and they don't really go into detail about what happened between them. It's kind of like they don't have like that talk where they mention something like they do in all these times and movies when a divorced couple meet up again. They're just divorced. Well, they just think it, like, of course, like, awkward, but there's still feelings there, kind of. I don't know. That's how I feel. So he has to go. He's going to, you know, he's like, we need to do, we need to go look for her because we don't know where the fuck she is. And that's when, I guess, they go into, like, the office of the cult leader and they find, like, all these photos. And then apparently, like, Powell, the cult, le- Powell, the cult leader, um calls them on the landline very creepy by the way and kind of taunts them yeah and at this point we think or powell is dead yeah and we just found out he's the cult leader he's the main doctor for everyone and he comes back and he's not too messed up at first and he's got um the doctor the other doctor or is she a nurse kim kim that little like she's an intern right yeah, there was the intern, and then there was Allison. Can't remember if she was a doctor or nurse, but he's got her holding her hostage, naked on a table. Yep, use her for for something or other for his culty needs and getting the the old ones and resurrecting his daughter and all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. Meanwhile, he's he's filleting his face off as well. Yes. <laughs> oh, when they meet up with him, he, he's straight Frank from Hellraiser. Exactly, like, exactly, is saying the same damn thing. I'm like, that's fucking Frank. <laughs> Frank is making an appearance in the void, still gross <laughs> as ever. <laughs> that's all I need was a damn cigarette and like a, a white like button down shirt on. This movie really does. Is very much inspired by, you know, not just Lovecraft, but there is so many Clyde Barker references in this. Exactly. I felt and, the same way. <laughs> and uh, Lucio Fulci, like, the end, the end is is the same end to uh, another Lovecraftian film by Fulci, uh, The Void, or sorry, The Bo- the Beyond. It's the same end. Which I think they did that on purpose, because there's a lot of stuff in here, like, very in the mouth of the madness scenes and it's it's a love story to lovecraft movies 
it's an interesting love story because they're stuck in that weird kind of universe where they're like, well, this is a weird little environment. Well, I'm I'm with you for the rest of my eternal life, I guess. Guess we got to start getting along. Yeah, got to talk a lot. <laughs> with that giant triangle leviathan almost like thing in the sky that whole door like the whole where he kind of summons the opening of that doorway through the triangle that was a fucking trippy ass scene oh yeah that was oh i loved it though i mean this movie visually is incredible Mm-hmm. just absolutely amazing and this hospital keeps like almost bending reality mm-hmm. and almost uh, what's that Stephen King movie where the house always keeps changing like Rose Red Rose Red yeah where it just keeps altering and then there's this like whole massive downstairs area and you know because at the end it starts closing back up and turning how it was before but it's it's got some great great visuals and the weird thing about the reality kind of thing is there's some scenes that i don't know if it's a continuity error or if this officer is hallucinating or the house is playing with people it's it's, like the the scene where he uh he gets shot through his neck yes and they show all the blood coming out and it's like your his shirt's getting saturated with blood Mm mm-hmm but then he stands up and he's kind of fine. And he's just like, oh, I've got a bad wound on my neck. Nothing serious. And his shirt's no longer just covered in blood. Yeah, I guess because he's reached that, that plateau where he's no longer living or he's out of his death stage. And I guess that's when he goes through the portal. That's how I feel. I don't know. That that scene was kind of interesting. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Something's going on. I like, I don't know. The whole Maggie scene, like where she, you find out that she is part of, like she's harboring the cult leader's child to reborn his daughter, or to I guess rebirth his daughter. That mm-hmm. was interesting. He like the poor fucking intern chick, chick who doesn't even know what the fuck to do with the C-section, is trying to figure it out. She's like hesitating, and her I guess the chick's grandfather, Maggie's grandfather, is is like, calm down, you need to relax, and you'll be fine. You just need to, you know. All of a sudden, fucking he gets his friggin' throat slashed, and so she tells him, you know, what's going on, and then cult leaders appear or cult people appear inside the fucking hospital and so poor kim is running around trying to fucking like you know she's trying to keep them out but then again she's trying to like figure out what the fuck is going on as like pregnant maggie who wasn't having issues or no longer has any issues with labor is walking around and going to the triangle places you know where they're harboring you know the portal and everything to Powell, the baby's father, trying to uh. resurrect his daughter, Sarah. Uh-huh. And then this, I, I hope that wasn't Sarah, but this just necromorph-like thing just comes out. I, I loved that creature design. It was so, so eerie and just so disturbing. Yeah, because she's giving, basically she's screeching in pain you know, as this thing is growing inside of her and basically is her coattail. Yeah. That was fucking gnarly. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, oh, you thought it was like a baby. No, it's this giant thing. Haha. Got you. <laughs> That's just carrying her ass along. That was crazy. Um, what was it? The practical effects for Allison, uh, the Allison creature. That was cool. Yeah, that was that was fucked up too. That was man, I just love this damn movie. It it's so <laughs> like this that thing has just consumed the entire room and her. Oh, and it, it's so so carpent so John Carpentery. Carpenter's thing, right? You feel like yeah. 
I feel like that too. I feel like it's kind of where it's this weird, it's like an actual person, you know, it's the person's corpse and yet some weird fucking tentacle shit comes out of it and just kind of spurts out into a different creature. Just scary shit. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, the Sarah creature and then the, yeah, the Sarah creature and then there's the Allison creature. Like those were pretty good like effects you know even though she's on a table like she's all holding on to daniel and stuff like that and he he blinks down for a minute and then fucking pal shows up and all of a sudden it's like well that's not your wife anymore everything's turned to like soot and you have all these fucking trails and shit coming at you and he's like no i don't want to be a part of this but the the main like I don't know. This the it's just weird how they all did all like the special effects and how he he goes, he dies. Supposedly, I think yeah, they he dies and then Vincent shows up and gets the fuck out of there. He pours a bunch of fucking isopropyl alcohol all over her and then sets, you know, sets Simon sets Simon on fire with the creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that's confusing to begin with, but you know he's hauling ass down this hallway, trying to get the fuck away from the creature, and it's closing in on on him. That's some scary shit too. Yeah, and he meets up with the intern, mm-hmm. him. Yep, and it's they don't play it off like oh it's all over they escape they walk out and they have that looming kind of scan of the sky. It's like, nope, nope. Everything's still fucked. <laughs> You're like all I, still screwed. Yeah. It's interesting, because, like, those were the... They, they survived it, but it was like, well, fuck, you know, how do we explain this to whoever, you know, to whoever we call that, you know, everybody is either dead or missing? <laughs> it, it's your... Your typical Lovecraft story. Mm-hmm. And if they go and they tell anyone, they're going to be locked up in an asylum. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the ending I, I thought was pretty cool. I thought it was really good. I love the ending. I like the choice of the actors that they chose to portray all these characters with. I thought they were really cool. Oh yeah, everyone in this film did a, a just a great job. And Well, the actor who played Mitchell was actually um, played art in the the brood really was in black christmas so i was watching I'm like wait a minute that i know that guy <laughs> and then powell is is one from twin peaks kenneth welsh yes he's also an aviator as well okay played the father of katherine hepburn and aviator okay canadian horror who wouldn't who would have thought <laughs> there yeah, this got some good stuff. I mean, the Wolf Cop movies I enjoyed. This is like I think this is my first Canadian horror. I don't think I remember. I don't. I ha- I can't really think of any other movies that are technically Canadian horror. Uh, Ginger Snaps. I'm sure you've seen Ginger Snaps. Like bits and pieces of it. Kind of. I never really watched it through its entirety, but yeah. I okay. That 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 would be number two, I guess. <laughs> Oh man, we should just do another theme show where it's like Canadian horror. I think I know a lot of Canadian horror, but now I can't think of any. I'll just search on the horror. internet for it. All right, love I love Lovecraft. <laughs> it's crazy that with this film, if you want to start a debate in any movie group, just mention The Void. Because there's like one half that absolutely hates this movie, and there's another half that eats that loves it. And like people come like, oh, it doesn't have a whole lot of character development. It's like, well, it's Lovecraft based. Lovecraft doesn't have a lot of character development. It's very atmospheric. It deals with the, more of the occult beings than the people. Because in Lovecraft's work, the people are very insignificant. Yeah, and you know. <sighs> You don't have to have, like, a whole, like, 30 minutes to, to explain, like, why these people aren't together, why are they divorced, you know, they, 
pretty much with the cult leader explaining everything, I kind of got an understanding of what happened between, you know, Carter and, you know, his wife to see, you know, what was going on. And then, you know, bits and pieces like the pregnant chick, um, Maggie, I, the old man that was with her, I didn't, you know, until she said, this is my grandfather, you know, didn't know anything of that. I thought I'm like, oh, is this sugar daddy? <laughs> no, didn't didn't know anything about that until like you know they were mentioning that you do, but you don't have to have too much character development. It's you don't have to go crazy with it. All right. Yeah, it doesn't need to have everything spelled out. And I guess with this movie, I was reading they were going to leave all the cult stuff out. That's like the best so part. It was up to the audiences to, to try to figure out what was going on. No, that's the best part of this movie was the fucking creepy fucking people in sheets with with their with the knives like coming out kind of like almost like you know that that explains more why they are like you think that they're not really human that they're kind of subhuman because they have you know they kind of basically move together they're all in the same kind of sync with themselves that's a wonderful thing well, once again, thank you for listening to us as we explore the void and Lord of Illusions. I'm your host, Queen Cujo. I am Madeline Mythos. And we are the Guillotine Girls Horror Podcast. Mm-hmm.